So I would just encourage you, if you would, to uh, study the Word of God. We're going to read from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. And we usually read, there are times we read other translations, but normally our translation is uh, the New King James Version. So uh, we'll be reading this particular text from the New King James Version. And he went up and on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. I want to read that 14th verse again. And he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also he betrayed him, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. I'd like also to read Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power to overcome unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kind of disease. Let me read one more. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts these truths. Meet the needs of this congregation and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Notice the introduction that we have written down important to the ministry of Jesus was the appointment and training of his apostles men who would follow him and continue his work after his death men that would be with him and later to be sent out to preach heal and cast out demons most of you know we've been on the subject of the book of Mark the first of the four gospels that was written by young Mark and for the last, well, ever since January. And we have seen the great things that Jesus did, whether it was his miracles, whether it was his teaching, whatever it was. But then Jesus calls to him 12. Now, there were more that went, but he specifically chose the 12, which are called apostles. In other places, they're called disciples. And this is so interesting in the fact that he knew that he could not reach everyone. So he called people. He called individuals. He called his disciples. He called his apostles that he might extend the ministry, not only in Israel, but around the world. He couldn't do it himself. So he needed others to help him do that. 
I, I'm so impressed with these few verses that Jesus called these disciples and what he did with them. Notice Roman numeral number one, preparation. Jesus took out time of his frantic schedule to commune with his father and to choose the 12 men who he will, who will be represented to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, Luke tells us that before he chose these, in fact, in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, says that uh, he spent the night in prayer. It was all night that he prayed. Uh, he appointed 12 that they might, and I love this, these few words, that they might be with him. But before he made this big decision, he prayed. And I find that when we must make decisions in our lives, especially big decisions in our lives, we need to take these concerns to the Lord. Luke tells us, as I said before, he chose his inner circle. He took time to pray. Make sure that all your important decisions are grounded in prayer. Prayer is a time of fellowship and communion in the presence of God. Now, I've seen so many people that go into ministry. We have a lot of people here in ministry. In fact, most people here are in ministry. And it is important that we minister and, and that we reach out and touch other people's lives. It's important that we have power and cast out demons, heal the sick. And it's in one uh, uh, text it says, and raise the dead. But the first thing that we need to do is to be with Jesus. I've seen so many preachers that fail, and probably you know ministers, maybe pastors, especially evangelists. Uh, years ago, there was some major uh, uh, falling of, of great men of God, and, and you wonder, why, why did that happen? And why do so many people fail God and and they backslide and they go back into the world after they have done all of these things, whether it's preach the gospel to be so effective for the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden, because of some major sin in their life, disobedience to God, things are much different. And I believe this is the answer. It's because we must, first of all, be with Jesus. Develop an ongoing relationship with him before we reach out and touch other people's lives. And I never want us here at this church to get so involved in ministry and reaching out and touching people, so involved in, in, in programs, so involved in singing, so involved in all of the stuff that goes on and good stuff and a lot of good things that happen that we forget to have an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. We wonder what happened. And I, I just believe, you say, well, pastor, they were with Jesus. They walked with him. They lived with him for three and a half years. And, and we, we can't be with him. Oh, yes, we can. We can't see him with our natural eyes. We can't reach out and touch him. We can't lean on his breast like John uh, the Beloved did. But we 
can be with Jesus. How? First of all, through his word. That's how you get to know him. That's how you get to fellowship with him. Second of all, through his spirit. It is through and by the spirit of God that we get to have that ongoing relationship with him. And we can pray. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that prayer is necessarily us going to God to get something from God. I know that happens. But I believe the important thing is that I be in the very presence of God. That I commune with God. And when I come to this altar to pray, and we have such a wonderful time, especially on Wednesday night following our teaching, that we gather around this altar. But wherever it is, it can be in your home. It can be in your closet. That can be your war room. It can be wherever you meet that condition. But it's not just praying to get God to do something for us. It is, it is most of all praying to develop a relationship with the Lord. Or it can be singing like we did this morning. We are in the presence of God. We sing and we worship God. I probably worry my wife to death singing all the time. I, I just sing. I, I, I sing driving. I, stop shaking that head. I love to sing. And whether it's singing in church or singing at home or singing riding down the highway, that's a great way to be with him. It ushers us in. There there are ways that we can have that relationship with God. But you know one way that I believe that most of us, if we're not careful, including me, that we miss, is just going, sitting, being quiet, no prayer, no songs, nothing said, just No TV, no telephone, no texting, no singing, no praying, total silence in the presence of Almighty God. How long has it been since we've done that? How long has it been since we've been in the presence and not looked at our watch or been in a hurry? But Brother Don, I'm busy. I'm busy. We all are busy. We all have 24 hours in a day. All of us. But I choose to be with Jesus. He called his 12 to be with him. Wow. (laughs) Not only did he call his 12 to be with him, but notice the threefold work of the church. Notice, first of all, that we might be with him. As I've just stated. Number two, that he might send them forth to preach. To preach. I think we can preach with our lips and I think we can preach with our life. In fact, there are times our lives preach louder than our words. 
the life that we live. He called them to be with him and he called them to preach. You say, pastor, I'm no preacher. I can't preach. You preach every day some message. I don't know what it is, but every day we tell others about something in our lives. And the best thing to do is to allow the light and the love and the grace and the mercy of God to shine through us to teach others. To teach others. We are influencing people. Yesterday was the first day that my son was able to go back home. He went home yesterday. We took him home. Now, he stayed in the car, but there was Melissa and Lily and Carol and myself, and we, we drove. We dropped Lily off to her little activity, and then we went and got something to eat. Melissa got in the front seat, and I got in the back seat, Carol and I, and she drove to the neighborhood. He lives in a subdivision off of Leedsville Road in Raleigh. One of the greatest reactions that I've ever seen. He's sitting on the passenger side, and she's driving around the neighborhood. And everybody says, they're so surprised. We didn't tell Zach and Ian, and they were out on the ball field, we want you to come. Come here. And they saw their dad, and their eyes got big, smile ran, and they just ran to the car, opened the door, flung their arms around him. He his arms around them and loved them. There's a guy, neighbor, that cuts their grass all the time. He keeps their grass trim. We drove up to his house. He was out in the yard working, and he says, I'm telling you, it's just amazing. But one man was in his house. There was another man outside. Go in and tell him to come out. Don't tell him, don't tell him why. And he came out. And he looked. And then he started sobbing. He wept and wept. And Neil beamed from ear to ear. They couldn't believe it. You know why that is? Because Neil influences or influenced those people. They were so influenced until they were emotionally caught up with him being there. You influence people no matter. You may help them in some natural way, but whatever, they were to preach God's word. Amen? That's why he sent them. In other words, he couldn't be everywhere, so he called the 12. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to change the world. What? You want us to do what? I want you to change the world. The Great Commission, recorded in Matthew, especially Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to everybody. Okay, here's 12 guys. There are millions and billions of people today, and you want us to change the world. But you've got to learn 
You know, I don't have time to go into all the characteristics of each man. It's just a great study to study the difference. I mean, if I was going to call 12 men, it would not have been the 12 men Jesus called. They were some of the most unlikely people, especially Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a hated individual. You're going to call Matthew to impress the Jews? (laughs) Give me a break. You see, you might say, I might. I don't know if I can do this or not. I got all kind of hangups. I got all kind of handicaps. I don't know if I can do this or not. You can do it. If he can use a Peter, he can use you. If he can use a Matthew, he can use you. He called them to preach the gospel. Two things. Listen to this. You say, serving God, I got to do all of this stuff. No, two things. Simple. Simple. To preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. Cast out devils. Here's the plan. Preach the gospel. Here's the power. He gave it to them. Now, I, I, I must confess to you that there are so many, and I've read this over and over again. There are so many people that believe that that power, that that ability, that that authority, that that right, and that's what it means. He gave them the right. He gave them the authority. That that stopped with the 12. There are denomination after denomination, church after church, preacher after preacher says it's no longer. Well, let let me remind you that he not only gave that power and that ability and that authority to the 12, but notice what Luke says in verse 1 and 9 of chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed how many? 70. One translation said 72. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And here's what he said to them. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Okay, the 12 limited, it it, it stopped, the rescinded after the 12. That's what they say. Then we have scripture that says the 70 received the same instructions. Practically, word for word, the same instructions. You can't run fast enough. You can't talk fast enough. To try to convince me that God Almighty was going to send 12 or 72 or 1,072 out to do something and not give them the power to do it. And the church, listen at me, the church has shortchanged itself to the point that we, our hands are tied. Our hands are tied. Why? We're just here to preach. I'm going to tell you, demonic forces are active today. The devil is alive and well. Satan is real. 
And there is a lot going on in this world that you and I in the natural, we cannot see. And there's a battle going on. There's a real fight going on. And you expect us, or some, expect us to win that battle in our own abilities. No, my friend, he gave power. Listen to what the Great Commission says. Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 18. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they, had not be- they did not believe those who had sent, seen him after he had risen. And he said, verse 15, to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow the apostles. Did I miss it? Let's see. Is this? Oh, let it seek in. And these signs shall follow them that believe. That's you, 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 and every believer that knows Jesus Christ has the very same power. Now, I know there's special gifts. I know there's the gift of healing. I know there's a gift of miracles. But I believe that every believer can lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. I believe that every believer can pray and see miracles take place. And the devil has robbed the church today of this powerful, powerful ability. This powerful authority God has given us. Mm. Don't you let the devil lie to you, shortchange you. In my name they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And they, if they drink any deadly, anything deadly... It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and perhaps they will recover. Did I miss it again? They will recover. John 14 and 12. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things that, and this is amplified, I'm sorry, uh, this is amplified, even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. Listen, there are reams of Scripture. If it was just one, it would be enough. On and on again. That we might be with him. Number two, that we, he might send them forth to preach. Number three, that they might have authority over demons. The instructions were given to the 70. Jesus gave his followers power to preach, teach, heal, and deliver that. And that authority has never been rescinded. And when somebody comes and tries to tell you that no longer we are to heal the sick, no longer are we to cast out devils, it is certainly not scriptural. And you could go through the book of Acts. 
And those that were not disciples, how that they prayed and saw the great power of God move. The great commission, I just read it to you. These signs accredited the gospel message and cannot be limited. Look at, look at number three under number three. These signs accredited, accredit the gospel message and cannot be limited to the apostolic age any more than the Lord's commission to carry the gospel throughout the world. You know, churches, denominations, people, most people don't have a problem with the Great Commission. They don't have a problem with it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Most denominations. But it doesn't stop there. It continues on. And again, that's the plan. This is the power. I do not believe, as I just said, that God's going to give us a plan and commission us to go and not give us the church, the church, the power to accomplish the plan. Now, where are we at? Look at, look at number four. Bethel's vision and mission. What about Bethel Christian Center? Something that I want you to understand is the latter part of this sermon. What are we to do? Why do we exist? What is our vision? Very simple. Transforming lives through Christ. He said, what are we here for? To see lives transformed. Transforming lives through Christ. Notice what I have listed here. Transforming. That's the change into another form. It's like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. God changes you when you come to him. What concerns me today, what concerns me today is that so many claim I got saved I got introduced to Jesus. I accepted Jesus, but you don't see a change in their life. God changes us. Amen? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, let me back up the Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be... Conform to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Love that. Love those two verses. Love those two verses. But notice 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. This is the amplified. Therefore, if anyone, how many? Anybody. Doesn't matter. Paul makes it very clear. Anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't come and tell me that you know Christ and you don't change. You'll change in some way. You will change. Transforming, that means to change. That means to change your conduct and your behavior. 
well, I just changed my heart. My heart's, my heart's okay, but I can still shack up. I know you're not supposed to use that word today, and it's not politically correct. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go out there. I'm going to stay right here. Transforming lives. We're not here just to build a building. We're not here to make, make a name for ourselves. The building is important. But let me tell you what's the most important thing. People. And we have a problem sometimes with forgetting people. I love people. They tell me you'll never have a big church because you're too close to the people. If you're going to have a, good, a big church, you've got to isolate yourself from people. You've got to stand aloof from people. But if, you're not, if we're not careful, we get to see programs, crowds. We look at buildings. I came by the nursery a while ago. The one on the right as I go out. And I heard some music. And I heard someone singing. And I peeked through the glass of the door. And here's Priscilla Westbrook. Sitting in the floor. Singing with the music to one little boy. By the way, he's cute. One person. And I watched her as she just folded her legs and sat in the floor to minister to one little boy. People. We think if it's not a big crowd, huh? pack my bags and go on down the road. We brag about how many you have in church. We brag about, oh, we took in so much money this morning. Oh, the building. Did you, did you see that building? Did you see all those cars? And we forget about people. Changing lives. Through. Now, how? How do you change lives? How do you change lives? Oh, you can put a criminal in jail, in prison. I'll change him. He can't do what he did do. How do you change? What's it through? And that's the important thing. Changing lives. We've been working for years trying to eradicate poverty. I think it started back with LBJ, if I'm not mistaken, or it may be even before him. And we're going to do away with poverty because we're going to take it from this one and give it to this one. Did you know we're in worse shape poverty-wise than we were with LBJ? And we've spent trillions of dollars? You don't change people like that. How do you change them? Only through and by the grace and mercy of, and the Holy Spirit, the power of God. 
He said, here's a drug addict. How is he going to be changed? How is she going to be changed from her prostitution? How is he going to be set free? Through him by the power of God. Oh, we can go the church and change. Church won't change you. Oh, we can go get a great preacher. Preachers don't change you. Oh, we can go to, to a seminar and talk to them and get them a book and, and counsel with them and counsel with I'm not against counsel. The counsel is not going to change anybody. Putting a person behind bars is not going to change anybody. The only way to change people is through and by the power of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So here we are. Transforming lives through, through what? And I just mentioned a lot of things. Through what? Okay. The only way. There's no other way. Christ. Through the mercy and grace and the power of the one that gave his life on Calvary. That's the only way you're going to change someone. That's our mission. If you want to know the mission of Bethel Christian Center, transforming lives through Christ. And then we want to put legs on that vision. Here we go. Let's put legs on it. Let's give it a chance to walk. Let's get it a, give it a chance to succeed. How are we going to change? Four ways. And we have them listed. All of them are E's. First of all, exalting Jesus Christ. Our goal this morning as we came is not to focus on what somebody is wearing or how hot it is or how loud the music is or not loud it is, what style the music. Our focus should be on exalting Jesus Christ. Exalting, exalting. That's number one. Number two, encouraging. Now, we're talking about transforming lives. That's our vision. We're talking about the means whereby, the mission whereby we're to transform lives, exalt Christ, encourage. Encourage the believer. I'm not here to put you down. I'm not here to, you know, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit, I believe that church serving God should be times of encouragement. And we need to go to church to be encouraged. We've got enough out there to discourage us. You don't turn on Fox News to get encouraged. You don't listen to ABC to get encouraged. You don't watch a movie to get encouraged, although the war room, you will get encouraged. You get encouraged. Blue and by, as I said, the grace of God. Encouraged to devote ourselves, certainly, to God's purpose in our lives. Exalt, encourage, equip. Timothy, great book. Exalt, encourage, equip. Equip. You come, and, and equipping is when you come and you be trained and you're trained and, 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 and you form a, a means whereby I've got the ability to reach other people. And then number four, evangelize. Evangelize. We want to evangelize. To tell people about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a story. 
Love this story. What are we to do with all this? Brother Don, you've preached this sermon and you've talked about all this. What, what are we to do with it? How, how are we going to do it? There's so much today that can confuse the Christian. Because we're living in a different age than 30, 40, and 50 years ago. It's a different time, different culture. And we live in a time when it, everybody is like Israel. They were right in their own eyes, right in their own eyes. And so what do you do? Because so many things crop up today that didn't crop up 30 and 40 years ago. For instance, homosexuality. How do you work it? How do you deal with it? What do you do? What do you say? How should you feel? And and the world, the world likes to quote scripture to their own benefit. Listen at me. To their own pleasure. To their own liking. One day, the religious leaders brought a woman to Jesus. And it was that they had caught her in the very act of adultery. Was it some say so? They saw it. They caught her. And they, they brought this woman. I can almost see him, Dean, like sort of like they played it, you guys, the skit that you did this morning, the, the jostling, the, the pushing. The, the, they were so emphatic. In my mind, I don't know whether they threw her down in front of Jesus, but they, they put her in front of Jesus. I think they mistreated her because she was to be stoned. I mean, she really was to be stoned. What bothers me about this story, and I'm getting ahead of myself, is that both were supposed to be stoned. They picked her out, going to stone her, and leave the guy undone. That's a (laughs) no-no. That's true. Come on, ladies. Why pick on the woman? Why isolate her and pick her out? But anyway, they brought this woman in put her before the Lord and said, listen, we've caught this woman in the very act of adultery. She was, and the Lord Moses said she should be stoned. Now, what do you do? Jesus calls 12. He calls 70. He calls a million and 70. Whoever he calls, he calls you and I. He thrusts us out. It doesn't matter what the, uh, <clears throat> the year it is. It doesn't matter what the culture is. It doesn't matter what they did yesterday. You see, the gospel is the gospel in 19, whatever, 50, 40, 30, 67. It's the same gospel that's the gospel in 2015. If it applied in the early 1900s, if it applied in Jesus' day, it applies today. So what do you do? How do you solve this problem? What are you going to do with her? Because the law of Moses says she should be stoned. 
Now, listen to me. Jesus knew. Now, he knew it was a trick. He knew they were to trick or trick, try to trick him. Well, he reached down or he squatted down and he began to write on the ground. Love to know what he wrote. He began to write on the ground. They continued to question him. What are you going to do? You can't leave this undone. He stands up and looks around and he said, You, without sin, cast the first stone. Liberals love that verse. I mean, they hang their hat on that. Okay. You conservatives, you narrow-minded Christians, you so-called fundamentalists, what does that word say? It says, you without sin cast the first stone. And they stick out their chest because they are pleased with that verse, and rightfully so. Once he said that, he squatted back down and he wrote again on the ground. And then when he stood up again, they all had gone. All of them, those that had the stones in their hands, those that were accusatory, those, all, all the religious leaders, they were gone. And you know, the only person left was the woman. Was the lady, the woman. And Jesus said, where art thou accusers? She said, I have none more. I want you to notice this. This is, this, this is what we're to do as, as God's people, as called, whether it's in school, whether it's at our job, or whoever. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin. He neither condemned nor condoned. Whoa. That's powerful. And so when you go out preaching the gospel, when you go out raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out devils, we're to neither condemn or condone. Most people that quote that verse, neither do I condemn thee, never get to the other part. Go and sin no more. I'm kind of glad Jesus called us. I'm glad this morning to know that you and I, we've been, we've been given this mission, the great commission to go. He's called us. My time's gone. But I want you to know something. Just as he called those disciples, just as he called those seven and gave them the plan, he calls you and I and gives us the plan. Just as he gave them power to carry out that plan, he gives us the power to carry out that plan. The problem is we're trying to solve man's sin problem in the natural. It won't happen. We must be anointed with the power of God. Every believer has the Spirit of God within themselves. They have the Spirit. What's so important is that the anointing, that that same Spirit flows out of you into other people's lives. 
The problem is we get saved, receive the Spirit, we're saved, we're going to heaven, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and we will. But the problem is if we're not careful, we forget the whole teaching of the Lord that we are anointed and the Spirit of God flows out of us. Father, we love you today.